If you only have a 401k, you're not getting the most for retirement. Wait, what? Add a Robinhood IRA on top, then they'll boost it by 3%. You can do that? And if you transfer in any retirement account, you get 3% on top of that. Is there a limit to the match? No limit. Robinhood Gold gets you the biggest contribution match of any IRA on the market. Sign up for Robinhood Gold at Robinhood.com slash boost by April 30th. Subscription fees apply. Investing involves risk. 3% match requires gold for one year from first match. Must keep IRA for five years. Match on transfers subject to additional terms and conditions. Robinhood Financial LLC, member SIPC. Hi. Okay. Hi. <laughs> Long time no see, right? <laughs> I know. I know. Good morning. Good morning. Good morning. You look absolutely beautiful. I love oh, the flower. You. Oh, you know, I got to do something. <laughs> I, I'm falling apart. I'm getting older. 52. I'm not, I'm not liking it. <laughs> you, you, look, you look wonderful. Well, thank you so much for agreeing to do this morning's interview. Um, I want to let people know this is the Migraine Diva. Um, Jamie, uh, she's on here on Instagram. She's like the queen. She knows everything there is to know <laughs> about migraines. She was on the show before, and that's why I wanted to have her back on because she just has a plethora of knowledge about this subject. And a lot of people are suffering, you know, with migraines. Um, so I want to let people know, if you don't know, I'm Joy Keys. Uh, you can follow me on Twitter, at Joy Keys. Also check me out on Facebook, Saturday Mornings with Joy Keys, and on Instagram, as we are here, Saturdays with Joy Keys. And uh, I'm going to be doing some giveaways, so uh, keep your eye posted for that uh, during this interview. Now, people always say, like, a migraine, like, it's just a bad headache, right? I mean, Jamie, really, like, what are people complaining about? What's the difference between a headache and a migraine? Okay, so the main difference is migraine is a neurobiological disease, and it runs on a spectrum. Um, and migraine does not necessarily have to include headache or head pain. And there are so many other symptoms that accompany migraine. When you have a headache, you basically just have head pain. With migraine, you have sensitivity to light, to smells, to, um, to sounds. Um, you have brain fog. You have difficulty concentrating. Um, you have severe nausea and or vomiting. Or you can have other GI issues like diarrhea. Um, or be very constipated with migraine. Um, and there's a lot of cognitive issues, um, as well as having difficulty forming words and completing sentences, or just completely forgetting or just not being able to remember what you're trying to say. It's very debilitating. And I, pain- mig- I want to let the audience know, I remember the first migraine I ever had. I'm not a sufferer of migraines, but I just remember I was probably in my 20s and... Um, it was spring or summertime and I got the dizziness, the noise, um, sensitivity. I, I didn't know what the hell was going on. I was about to go to the emergency room. I uh, end up going um, and putting my head literally under the water in my tub. Um, and and um, I did that and then I could barely get up and I went and I just, I had to like turn the lights out. There were no lights on, but there was light coming from the windows in my living room. And so I went to my bedroom, I had to lay down and I just lay down there. I don't remember how long I lay down, but it, it is debilitating. And I, I had no idea that's what was going on. And then um, I called my doctor um, and I found out that I was probably having a migraine. And so it's it's not a joke. It's 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 not funny feeling at all. 
Now, there are different types of migraines, though. Um, can you talk about that? And uh, somebody's migraine, like you said, may not be the same because of their symptoms. But, you know, people say, oh, it's back here, it's, it's up here. Like, can you talk about that a little bit? Sure. So typically when we're speaking of migraine, we're, we're talking about um, migraine that, you know, either comes with an aura or without an aura. So an aura can be changes in your vision. Um, it could be um, motor issues. And that usually precedes the head pain by maybe about 15, 5 to 15 minutes or 20 minutes. I'm not an expert, so don't quote me on that. I have right. migraine without aura, um, so I don't I don't get any other visual, visual changes or anything like that prior to the head pain. Um, but there's that. Um, and there's also um, vestibular migraine, which um, that includes a lot of unsteadiness and dizziness and lightheadedness. So much so where with vestibular migraine, you're not able to drive yourself. Um, walking is difficult. Um, some people may require um, PT to help with their um, their motor skills because um, the dizziness, it's like vertigo. It's like really intense. It's really bad. Um, there's hemiplegic migraine. Hemiplegic migraine um, mimics a stroke and that's very scary. So you can, you know, lose um, motor function on one side of your body. Um, and that's very scary for someone, you know, experiencing that for the first time because like, oh my gosh, I can't move my left side. I'm having trouble speaking and my words are slurring and it's very similar to a stroke. Yeah, that sounds like a stroke. Yeah. Right. Now, what about you though? Now, when did you first have your migraine? Um, what was that like? Okay. So, um, because of how long I've had migraine in my work in the community, um, and just my knowledge of the disease, I understand now I had migraine from the age of two. Um, and what? so, yeah, two, two years old. So for me, then I had abdominal migraine, um, which is very common in children, adolescents. Um, so I basically had severe stomach pain, um, violent nausea and vomiting. I had the sensitivities to light, smell, odor. Um, motion was a huge trigger for me. So riding in the car or playing or being on the swing, like would bring it on. Didn't have any head so what pain. what did your parents think? What did your parents think was going on? So they thought I was just really sensitive to, to motion, had really bad motion sickness because that ten tended to be um, one of the bigger, biggest triggers, that and heat, I have heat intolerance as well. So keeping me cool um, and hydrated was really important. Um, and that continued on through um, me go starting grade school. And I was in the third grade, eight years old, and I experienced my first migraine with head pain when I was eight. And um, I don't remember my first attack, but I can tell you um, from that point on, I just remember being a little girl sitting in my room, trying not to cry because crying made it hurt, trying not to breathe because breathing hurt. Um, and just not understanding why something was so painful and there was nothing I could do to stop it. Um, it was so really... So there was no medicine or anything at that time? They at could that time? Your age, um, that would no. Wow. No, this was like 1980. This was 1986. So the way migraine was treated then, it was seen as a blood vessel disorder. So um, because my mother had migraine when she was younger, she knew I wasn't having a regular 
headache. So yeah. I was seen by my pediatrician and my father just, you know, never being satisfied with anything, made sure I got a referral to a neurologist, which is very rare, especially in 1986, black girl in the Bronx, New York, Queens, New York, like that doesn't happen. So I got an official, right. I got an official diagnosis at eight and I was put on a preventive medication, which was a blood pressure medication. I was on that for five years from eight until 13, but it didn't help me at all. Um, but when it came to the actual treatment of the acute pain, there wasn't anything um, on the market yet. Imitrex and that wasn't even developed yet. I think they came out in 1989, 1990. Um, but I was just, I had to rely on Tylenol. You know, there wasn't anything for, for children with migraines. Else, did anybody else in your family have migraines? Did you know anybody, friends or anything that had these symptoms that you could even talk to about this? Absolutely. Of course, when I had my mother, her um, her father, my grandfather had migraine really bad as well. Um, and one of my first cousins had um, migraine also. So it was, it, it runs in my mother's side of the family. It was something that, you know, we knew about. So there wasn't, um, you know, a lack of knowledge when it came to that. Um, there was, you know, no lack of support. I was extremely supported um, and always now, taken well care of. Is it hereditary or could somebody have migraines and nobody else in their family have migraines, you know? Um, well, there are, they're trying to find out if there are any genes linked to um, the susceptibility of having migraine. There is one set of genes um, that do exist, and that's for familial hemiplegic migraine. Those have been identified, but um, there really isn't a specific genetic component um, that has been identified. But what we do know is um, it's more of like you, your brain is more susceptible to being hyperactive and hypersensitive. Um, and so there probably is some type of genetic component to that if you're predisposed to that because of a certain set of genes, which haven't really been identified yet. But then also if you're in around certain situations or certain environments or um, certain triggers um, happen over a course of, say, a couple days or a couple hours, then your brain is more likely to respond to that in the form of head pain, nausea, dizziness, lightheadedness. Um, so there's still a lot of research going on um, to really identify, you know, what that pathophysiology is for migraine. Um, but there tends to we tend to see a pattern of if there's someone um, with migraine and it did run in their family, um, you're more likely to also have migraine. Um, so that Jamie, is something. I yeah. Want to give something away? Okay. What am I going to away? I'm going to give away a signed copy of Viola Davis's recent book, a signed copy of her book. Now, how can you win this book? You ask. Hmm. Well, what was the last episode of How to Get Away with Murder? What was the title of that uh, episode? You need to email me at SaturdaysWithJoyKeys at Hotmail.com. Again, SaturdaysWithJoyKeys at Hotmail.com. And you could be the winner. You have to be the first person to answer. And you could be the winner of this signed copy book. All right. That's all I wanted to say. <laughs> That's an awesome giveaway, right. though. <laughs> so you were talking about Trudy. Let's say hi to these people out here. Um, good morning, everybody waving. If you have a question, um, I think you can like say you have a question and then I, I'll see it pop up here. But thank you so much for, for joining us. I hope um, this is helping everybody. 
where can they find you online, um, Jamie? Um, so in case people want to touch base with you afterwards. Sure. So I'm on Instagram and Twitter. Um, my handles are My Green Diva. Um, you can find my Facebook page, The My Green Diva. I also have a blog, TheMyGreenDiva.com, um, which I'm not as active on as I used to be because I'm doing so much work outside of that um, with other advocacy organizations um, to try to advance, you know, people's understanding, education, knowledge, um, and resources around migraine and just headache diseases in general. Um, but yeah, definitely Twitter, Instagram, um, Facebook, and my blog. Now, um, now that you're an adult, do you mind me asking what type of medicine you're taking now um, that is, and is it helping? Okay, so migraine has progressively gotten worse for me as I've gotten older. Um, and that changed for me during my last pregnancy where I experienced my first intractable or daily migraine um, for the first trimester I was pregnant. Um, mm. And that was really um, stressful and hard to deal with. Every day, is that, that, is that what that means, intractable? I just want to make that clear yes. to people. Yes, so intractable oh is daily pain. Um, and I'm also refractory, so that means that my migraine is not responsive to treatment or doesn't respond well to treatment. So that informs the way I care and manage for my migraine today. Um, so basically, a lot of these medications that have been um, prescribed for migraine, a lot of them are off-label medications. So um, because there really hasn't been anything developed specifically for migraine until like maybe about four or five years ago. But most people have prescribed um, antidepressants, um, blood pressure medications, seizure, anti-seizure medications. Uh, I've tried all of those things. That Neurontin, uh, those are kind of uh, different things I had uh, read about. Um, right. What about alternative medicines? Um, massage or Reiki or hypnotism? <laughs> yes. Yeah, so I, I I use a lot of combination therapy. So I use pharmaceuticals and I also use um, alternative or complementary medicine. So um, massage therapy is really, really big for me. Um, acupuncture helps if I do it the same day I do massage therapy. So stacking treatments is helpful for me. Um, I also, meditation, mindfulness, deep breathing are a huge component as well for me. Um, learning how to um, manage my mental health using those tools really helps me manage my chronic pain as well. Um, so there are just a lot of different methods I use um, and also getting Botox every three months and getting nerve blocks in between those sessions um, helps to manage my daily pain level so that I can function and be comfortable because right now I'm at the point right now where I'm just trying to be comfortable and function daily because my pain isn't going away. Now, do your children um, have migraines? Because this is going back to the hereditary matter. Were you worried about them having it when they were born or anything like that? Um, you know what? Honestly, I wasn't because, again, I didn't know migraine when I was younger could be this bad. Um, and my mother kind of, I want to say, outgrew her migraine, but she really wasn't experiencing them when she became a mom, you know, with me and my sisters. So I oh. never had the expectation of migraine still being in my life as an adult. And then also growing up, all of my doctors told me I would outgrow them by the time I turned 18. So I thought there was an expiration date to mm -hmm. migraine. Now, what about allergies and uh, as a trigger? Has that ever um, come up? Uh, have you ever heard anything about that? You know, seasonal allergies being triggers for migraines. 
dust in the home being triggers. Uh, have you heard anything of that nature? Environmental? Um, it could, it, there are a lot of environmental, yes, there are a lot of environmental um, triggers. So if you have seasonal allergies, I mean, if it's inflaming any of the nerves around your face, that can definitely exacerbate or contribute to, uh, you know, an, a migraine attack occurring later. Um, but then also there are a lot of people who have been misdiagnosed with sinus headache, um, but they truly have migraines. Mig- Some of the symptoms are, are pretty similar. But yes, there are a lot of environmental <laughs> triggers um, that what can food, exacerbate uh, your pain. Um, dairy, uh, nuts, chocolate, I mean, things that you talk uh, I've read about in terms of headaches, are they connected to migraines? Um, how, the, how do they impact people or is it just different for everyone? It's different for everybody. Migraine is not the same for every person. Not everybody has food triggers. Some people can eat whatever they want and it doesn't affect their migraine. Some people have very sensitive food triggers. Um, Mm -hmm. And you kind of just find out if they are a trigger for you or not just by living with migraine, you know, and realizing, okay, this is what happened today. This is what I ate today. And it's important to also understand that it's not just one thing that will set off your (laughs) migraine attack. Um, hey, Una, I see you there uh, on there. Um, I I want to I ask, um, what organizations are you working with and which ones have helped you uh, in terms of like, support groups? What about financially? You know, all these things you're talking about, like stacking treatments and things, they cost money. Uh, where can people go to get help for this? There are uh, there are many great organizations um, that offer many types of resources. If you're looking specifically for um, support groups or events where you can be around other people with migraine, milesformigraine.org is a great organization. They put on events in different cities every year. It's their walk, run, relax event. Um, and its intention is to bring people with migraine together in a public event and participate at whatever level you can. There's no pressure to to run or walk the race. They have relaxation activities. Um, and since um, the pandemic, a lot of this has um, gone virtual. So you can participate um, in your own hometown. You can organize you know, something with your friends, your family, your neighborhood on those days. They also have support groups as well in person or virtual, and they have great free resources um, like gentle yoga. Um, I think it's like every Tuesday, um, every week they provide that for free for people. It's on Zoom, I believe. Great resource there. Um, If you're looking for um, a central place to go to find out what all the organizations are doing, the Coalition for Headache and Migraine Patients, headachemigraine.org, is a great place. Um, so this is a coalition of patient opinion leaders and um, migraine advocacy and headache advocacy organizations. Um, and we all come together. I'm a member of this coalition as well. And we all come together and share our resources. And there's great information there. It's specific to um, insurance barriers or the inability to um, get um, certain treatments covered. They have great resources there. Um, and if you're looking for assistance, one more I, I wanted to share. Mm-hmm. I said that's a really big issue, this insurance thing. You know, um, and you mentioned earlier about the off-label use of medicines. And, I, and for people who may not understand, it's like the medicine was brought out or developed for one thing, and now they're using it for migraines or trying to use it. And a lot of times people have difficulty getting that covered. And that's just not with migraines. That's with a lot of other illnesses 
that people are dealing with that um, you have to go through all these hoops and they're like, did you try A? Did you try B? Did you try C? And then, okay, you tried A, B, and C. Okay, then maybe we'll pay for it. It's not a right. guarantee. So that that is a real issue. What, what um, you said you just want something else you wanted to... Um... Right, right. Um, one other great resource is the Migraine Care Line, and that is um, a service put out from the Patient um, Advocacy Foundation, and it's a free resource, and it helps people who are unable to get their insurance to cover a specific treatment or if you need help with filing for Social Security disability because you're no longer able to work because of your migraine. So I really um, encourage people to seek that out if you need help. Um, they assign you a case manager and they kind of work on your behalf to help make sure that you're able to get access to therapies that your insurance is denying, especially like you were saying, that's called step therapy that you were talking about where your doctor may prescribe you the more expensive medication, but the insurer wants you to try and fail on two or three other medications first before mm -hmm. allowing that other prescription, the necessary therapy to be prescribed. And that harms patients because during that process, and that can take months or years, you're getting sicker, you're dealing with side effects from medications that aren't helping you. And it's very harmful to the patient and it causes a rift between the patient and provider relationship because those decisions should be between the patient and their provider, not the health insurance company. Or, but also um, emotionally, you know, emotionally, uh, socially, this in impacts people's lives. I mean, if you're in pain every day, you don't want to go outside, I'm sure. You don't want to talk to people if the sound issue, the light issue, um, you may not want to work um, and people are trying to be like, oh, you're being lazy. And that's not the case um, because they can't see unless they have the stroke type of migraine, what's happening to you. Everything is inside of you, you know what I mean? And so there's no, um, people might think there's no proof or something. Like, how, you know, how do you prove that the person's having a migraine or not, um, I'm sure. What did the doctors say? How do they prove to the insurance? How do they prove that? That's a good thing. That's a good question. So with migraine, there are no um, diagnostic tests that show that you have migraine. There's no blood test. There's no scan that'll, sh that'll say this person has migraine. Migraine is diagnosed based off of the patient's, um, um, them telling the doctor, these are my symptoms. It's based off of that. It's based off of the patient's sym symptomology. Patient reporting is what a migraine diagnosis is based off of. And that, you know, can then in turn, you know, make the stigma around migraine a lot worse. Like you said, it's an invisible illness. You don't look like you're sick. You don't look like you're yeah. disabled unless you are like physically away in a dark space, you know, curled up in a ball, actively throwing up. Outside of that, you could be experiencing so many symptoms, but you look okay on the outside. And that, that you know, adds to, you know, that external stigma. People you know, not believing you that you're in pain. Um, and you also internalize that a lot of the time. Like, well, I don't look like I'm sick and I don't want to complain that I'm feeling this way. And I don't want people to think I don't want to show up or I'm not reliable. Um, right. So it, it does affect someone's mental state a lot. Um, so it's, it's, it's more than just the physical pain, it's the emotional and mental aspect of it as well. Do you mind me asking about people going to therapy, mental health therapy? Has that helped people? Do you do you think that helps or 
It can. Um, again, um, it depends because if you're going to therapy for, you know, mental health disorders, depression, anxiety, PTSD, OCD, most of the time, those are the things that are being managed and, and um, given coping skills for. Not every therapist that you go see is, you know, someone that works specifically with chronic pain patients. So you might not get that, you know, intersection of how do I manage with my chronic pain as well as my depression, my anxiety, because people who have migraine are more likely to also have depression or anxiety. Um, and the more you're in pain, the more you're going to have feelings of depression and anxiety. And so learning how to cope with both of them effectively is not something that always occurs. Um, there aren't a lot of resources available for people to have access to um, therapists that specialize or work solely with chronic pain patients. There are pain psychologists, um, but those are few and far between. And there already is a lack of access for behavioral health services anyway in this country for a lot of people. For, for people, um, there is a pain um, uh, association. I think we'll try to post it. If I find it, I'll email it to you. Um, and they might have resources for, for therapists who specific, uh, their specificity is uh, chronic pain. Because um, like you said, um, but you know, as a therapist, they have to admit that they are not competent and then transfer you or refer you over to someone else who is. So, um, and, and you as a patient have a right to choose somebody else if you don't like that uh, therapist. And same with your doctors. If you're not um, satisfied with the advice you may be getting or the medication or whatever, you have a right to, and, uh, hopefully you'll be able with your insurance, try to go find someone else. Um, but also, Jane, I want you to mention, um, uh, what is this? I have another giveaway. Ah, another giveaway. Oh my God, what is this? Janelle Monet's book, a signed copy. Let's see that little sticker. It says signed copy. <laughs> this is a signed copy of her book. Um, this is the um, Memory Librarian. Uh, so how can you win this? Okay, so how can you win this? Um, uh, what is the oldest library in the United States? Let's go like that. Uh, email SaturdaysWithJoyKeys at Hotmail.com. Again, what is the oldest library in the United States? You can email SaturdaysWithJoyKeys at Hotmail.com, and you could be a winner of this book. Um, so we're going to get ready to uh, wrap this up. I want you to mention those organizations again, Jamie, uh, that people could go to. Absolutely. So there's milesformigraine.org. Highly recommend them for patient support um, and wonderful free tools and resources. Um, there is the Coalition for Headache and Migraine Patients. That's headachemigraine.org. And um, I don't remember off the top of my head the, uh, the website for the Migraine Care Line, but do Google the Patient Advocacy Foundation. And on their website, you can find links to the Migraine Care Line if you need help with um, getting access um, or coverage for your, your therapies, for your treatments, or if you just need help in um, starting the disability process. Wow, and how can they find you again? You can find me on Instagram or Twitter at Migraine Diva. Um, I'm on the on Facebook, The Migraine Diva is my Facebook page, and my blog is themigraindiva.com. Excellent, excellent. Thank you so much for you know agreeing to do this morning. I want to let people know again all those two those two books. If you want to win them, you have to be the first 
to email the answers to SaturdaysWithJoyKeys at Hotmail.com. I also want to let you know you can follow me on Twitter at JoyKeys. Also check me out on Facebook, Saturday Mornings with Joy Keys, and here at, or on Instagram, Saturdays with Joy Keys. I'm going to be posting the audio of this interview. Uh, it'll be on Blog Talk Radio, iTunes, iHeart uh, Radio, Amazon Music, Spotify, Stitcher uh, tomorrow. So um, look for that tomorrow after 12. It'll, it'll be up uh, posted, the audio. So in case you missed the beginning, you'll still be able to listen to the whole interview that we did here today um, because it's Migraine Awareness Month, uh, June. I forgot to say that at <laughs> <laughs> the beginning. But um, thank you again, Jamie, uh, for you know agreeing to do this. And I wish you so much luck with your treatments and um, just helping other people that you are going through what you're going through and you're still taking time to help people. <laughs> That's a lot. That's a lot. I appreciate it. Thank you so much. Thank you, everybody. I see you guys there waiting. We couldn't really, you know, pay attention as we were trying to focus. <laughs> but thank you. So you guys have a great weekend, okay? Bye. Okay, bye-bye.